Hi, welcome to episode two of More Sports. I'm your host, Devin Moore. Guys, this is episode two, and I'll give you another rundown of the show. This is a show where we I talk about all things sports and give my own opinion on certain topics. Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about today is actually the Women's FIFA World Cup. You know, it's a big event going on right now. Obviously, they're in the group stage. It's going to be interesting. And uh, I'll give you guys a little rundown how they're doing in the standings if you haven't kept up. In Group A, we got France is in first. In Group B, we have Germany is in first. In Group C, we have Italy in first. Group D, we have England. Group E, we have the Netherlands. In Group F, we have USA. Which obviously everybody remembers, USA won the last World Cup, which is about, you know, obviously four years ago. And it's just crazy. And, you know, me personally, I hope US, the USA team wins again. Obviously, they're defending champs, but, you know, came in watching the matches and stuff like that. Um, You know, Italy's not playing around here. They're destroying everybody. Everybody they come across, and, you know, it's going to be an interesting thing. So, let's see what happens. In my opinion, I'm hoping for Team USA. Oh, and more recently, another big thing that happened. Next thing we'll talk about, you know, Toronto. They just won their first NBA final in franchise history, which is crazy. Obviously, the underdogs in the whole situation, and, you know, everybody thought Golden State was going to win. But, you know, obviously, any any of you guys that are big basketball fans, it seems like everybody was talking about Kevin Durant, his, you know, his injury. And I watched, I was watching the recording for uh, the other day and watched him go down. You could see his uh, what was his Achilles heel? His meniscus? Oh, I can't remember. You can see that muscle kind of, you know, dislocate while he was on the court. And everybody's just like, oh, what's going to happen to KD? What's going to happen to KD? And I think apparently I saw the other day, he everybody's like, oh, he's leaving. He's leaving Golden State. He's leaving Golden State. But uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, to me, that seems like the main focus was leading up. Everybody's like, oh, oh, it's going to game seven. And, you know, Golden State's going to win it. And I was like, I'll cheer for the underdogs here. Let's go Toronto. And, of course, you know, that's history. Toronto won their first ever championship. It's going to be great. Oh, and there's another thing. Uh, Leading up to this thing, everybody knows the rapper Drake is a big Toronto fan. And everybody thought, I thought it was funny. I was reading an article about a week ago that said Drake's Drake's bad luck. Something like with all the sports teams. Because, like, Anytime you see Drake support somebody, they lose badly. Like some of the examples was obviously Toronto. Another one was Conor McGregor. That's the, that's one. That's one that I, I remember sticking out the most was Conor McGregor. He was walking around with the Ireland flag, and that was his fight against Nick Diaz, which is the fight he Conor McGregor ended up losing. So there was an article talking about how how Drake was a like a super fan and how he was like bad luck to people. And then another thing about Drake, I saw someone post on Twitter. It was Twitter. They were like, Drake finally won a NBA final. And I'm just like, Drake didn't do anything. He's just a fan. You know, it's crazy. But hey, good job to Toronto. Good luck to them. All right, time to move on to our next topic. You guys know it's summertime. You know what that means? It's baseball season. Baseball is in full swing now, obviously, since we're in June. And first thing I want to talk about, we're going to talk about Little Leagues. Little League Baseball here in the national level. Checked it out the other day. It turns out Hawaii shuts out South Korea to claim its third LLWS crown in, in over a decade, actually. Read an article. 
It only took one pitch, and Hawaii wins their first that you know their third title. It seems like in over a decade period. And you know, it's crazy. You know, watching the video, kid basically just strikes them out, and it's just wild. And you know, reading on Twitter, uh, you know they were saying it's like the kid's name was Holt. Kid Holt goes, it was great because we all knew that the pitcher was tough to hit. Holt took from there, threw a two-hitter, led the Hawaii to a three-three and zero victory in the Little League World Series championship, the first shutout in Little. In a title game since 2002, it was Holt's first ever, ever complete game. And, you know, the team from the hell allowed just three runs in the entire tournament, shut out four of its five opponents, stuck out 53 at bat in 34 innings. Now, that's pretty good if you ask me. It's crazy how little leaguers are going to get attention. That's another thing I want to talk about television exposure in a future episode. But that's just a little run around. Run down with our little league baseball here. Now we're gonna move on to the major leagues and just one and here in just in one second. Okay, it's time to move over to baseball. I'm gonna do a quick little run, quick little rundown old standings in the American League. We have Tampa Bay leading in the East, in the Central, the Minnesota Twins, in the West, the Houston Astros, and the National League in the East, the Atlanta Braves are actually in first. In the Central, we got the Milwaukee Brewers. In the West, the Los Angeles Dodgers. And as you guys know, for all us big Atlanta Braves fans, the Braves are actually doing pretty good. They got a 41-29 standing record, obviously dominating strong. And let's just let's just hope they can, you know, pull it off coming postseason. Yet we're so far away in that regard. Okay, speaking of the Braves, we're going to talk about the Braves here just for a quick second. You know, it looks yesterday Brian McCann delivers a two-run single. Braves win eight straight. Man, let me tell you, Brian McCann, that that man is the GOAT. I mean, I remember growing up watching him, Tim Hunton, Chipper Jones, talking about good time to be alive being a Braves fan back in, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. And, you know, you know, for a while there, the Braves were kind of, you know, we kind of had that high point going for us, and then, you know, they started slumping. But I'm hoping for, a, you know, a rebuild period. And that seems like, you know, like I just said, did a little quick standings. We're dominating right now in our division. and But obviously, you know, it's still a long way to go. We still got July and August and then September. But, you know, it's going good for Braves, for us Braves fans. And all we can do is hope for the best. So, yeah, Braves are doing good. Brian McCann's a GOAT. Let's see what happens. I'm excited for him. All right, next time we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about college football here real fast. Even though it's not in season, you know, now it's time to be recruiting. But I want to talk about Clemson's quarterback, Trevor Larson. Or Larson, sorry, for that bad, <laughs> bad pronunciation on my part. You know, I came across an article earlier today talking about how he is, you know, he's only a sophomore, but he is NFL ready. In the article, it talked about a certain pass he threw, and everybody was like, oh, that's amazing. And in fact... Um, it says here, one NFL GM says Lawrence would have been a top five pick in the draft this year if he had been eligible. And I'll say one thing: I I, never, I do remember seeing him play Trevor Lawrence in this this year. I mean, I'm a big UJ fan, but you know I keep up with everybody. And uh, yeah, he's pretty impressive for a young guy. He's developed some, you know, obviously he's a NFL superstar 
mentality and it'd be interesting to see him as he gets older you know he's only a sophomore i believe he's got another he's got another year at least and he's just a dog you know espn i'll quote another guy mel kipper from espn says called him super elite which puts him in the same calorie category with andrew luck and john eway as one of the most surface nfl prospects and then also talks about although high-ranking nfl personnel says there's not much he lacks. At some point, he'll be the first pick in the draft. And, you know, that's it's crazy because everybody's watching. You know, the article's, article's talking about everybody's watching what he does. And, you know, that's another thing I would like to talk about when I was reading this article. It's like the pressure of college athletics. In my opinion, you know, you know, these are still, at the end of the day, these are still kids. You know, he's going to be a sophomore. He's probably 19, going to be 20 years old. But, you know, all that exposure just going to, you know, put him under pressure and if he can handle the if he can't handle the pressure he's just gonna you know fall apart and you know he's gonna underperform and he's gonna lose his stock value and you know not stock value but you know draft value or whatever and then he's gonna be put on the bottom of the board if he can't handle it but you know obviously you know he's competed in the national championship this year did great i think he'll be all right i think he'll be all right but you know other players you know they can't handle this kind of pressure you got you gotta watch what they do these days, you might as well put, uh, you know, college athletes as much on the same level as pro athletes now with all this exposure and stuff. It's just, it's just crazy. But either way, that's like everybody's watching what he does. It's, man, he needs to watch what he does and things like that. But Terrence Lawrence, I think he, he will be a number one draft pick here in two, about two or three years. We'll see what he does, and it'll be, it'll be pretty good. I can't wait for him. I, also hope he can go to the Falcons. That'd be even better. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. Okay, next thing I want to talk about. I want to talk about this show that I've been watching on Netflix. Really, two shows on Netflix that are football related. It's Last Chance You and Friday Night Tykes. And then with Last Chance You, I'll give you a quick rundown of the of that program. It's basically Last Chance You, the the documentary series, and they follow, you know these two college programs and all these all the things going on with these kids. The first season, you know, East Mississippi Community College, that's a great program run by Coach Buddy. Like everything he does, but man, that show's crazy with him. Cussing and yelling and stuff like that. But I think it's a pretty good program. It shows that, you know that all in college athletics is a tough sport in all levels, not just you know, not just D1, D2, or D3s, but also in the Jugo level. I mean, there's some talented guys, you know. Most of them, you know, obviously were transfer-level guys, but, you know, pretty talented guys. and not, It's a pretty good program. Check it out. And then part three, which really because, you know, first two parts are from East, Mississippi, from East Mississippi College. And then part three is actually up in Kansas, Indian, uh, Indian Independent College up in Kansas with Coach, with Coach Brown. Let me tell you. You want to talk about somebody with a potty mouth? Whew. He's dropping f bombs every other minute. I mean, it's crazy. Like this one time, he was throwing a fit, and I was just like throwing stuff. Somebody, his kids, like you know, eligibility is important. You know, an athlete in, in general, because you got to have good grades these days just to play ball. At the same time, you got to be a, you got to be athletic on the field and smart in the classroom and stuff like that. But I was like, man, this is crazy. But yeah, it's a good. Both show, both both you know both college programs you know it shows us that you know a lot of hard work goes into college athletics and if if you're a big college football fan I 
I recommend checking it out. Stuff like that. And then Friday Night Tykes is actually about a youth football program down in Texas. And man, when somebody told me that uh, football was big in Texas, I was like, yeah, whatever. But that show kind of shows you how serious they take it. These kids are about, you know, six or seven years old. Mm, yeah, youngest is probably six or seven. Oldest is, you know, late elementary school, early middle school, you know, probably 12 or 13 when you stop playing rec ball at that age and, you know, move on to high school sports. I mean, these coaches are all like, man, they're yelling at these kids, treating these kids like college players. Crazy, like, kids knocked down, they're, like, cussing at them. They're, like, kids get knocked down, they're, like, they pick them up, coaches pick them up, be like, stop crying, yada, 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 yada. You know, it's crazy. Like, they are building that culture, which, you know, I have a sports management degree, and we were talking about how when is the right age to, you know, to tell kids when's a good time to learn about winning? When do you when do you think it's the right age to tell them you have to win, you have to win, you have to win? Because, you know, you know, definition of sports, you know, you just go out and you have fun. But now as a culture, we're like winning is everything. Like you have to win, you have to win. And, you know, these kids, they're learning at a, t- at a young age that they have to win. They have no choice. That's that's all they got to do. They got to go big or go home. And then <laughs> there's this one incident. I forget which season it is. There's three seasons on Netflix. Yeah, there's three seasons on Netflix. I think it was in season one. There was a parent. There's like two parent fights. And, man, it's crazy because like, they do a little interview with the parents. They're like, oh, yeah, my son, you know, he's the best. And we got to win, 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 win. And they're, they're in the stands. They're like, oh, my kid can beat your kid. And at one point. Um, I forget what team it is. There's one program in the league that is run by this major football family. The dad, you know, worked in athletics for years. The mom just loves ball and her kids play. It got to the point, it was during one of the games where the mom got kicked out of the stands. It was crazy. It was like the guy, I can't remember exactly what happened, but the guy was talking some stuff and the mom just went off. Where It got to the point where you know, there's always, always security. Like anybody that I will say this, security is an important thing to have in an event, regardless. Just throwing that out there for any future sports management majors that want to get into event facility management, always have security. Or got to the point where the officer had to escort the lady off the <laughs> off the field because she is causing a ruggus. Well, no, if I had to go rebuild, I can watch them. Both both people got kicked off. You know, it's crazy. But yeah, that's like. But in my opinion, I think the right age to say, hey you need to win is really, I'd say around high school level because, you know, it's just how culture we are. And, you know, I will say this, you know, learning and learning in my degree, you know, learning that we have this culture, winning is everything. It's like even a high school ball, you know, those coaches can't win games, they get fired. Stuff like, just like in college. In college, you know, you you can't win games because, you know, you win games, you bring in money, you can't win games, you, you're out of there. Stuff like that. But to me, I think an important age is the, you know, high school level is a good time to tell these kids like hey we have to win we have to win you have to win stuff like that me personally not around middle school age I think you know middle school and elementary schools around the time where you you teach the kids you know the fundamental of the game just let them go out and do the best of their abilities and have fun but yeah last chance you and Friday Night Tykes two great TV shows to watch if you just love football in general I recommend checking them both out 
Okay, next thing we're going to talk about is MLS soccer real fast. Going to talk about Atlanta United, you know, one of the, the defending champions of 2018, won their first championship ever in club history. Great time to be alive if you're in Atlanta. But, you know, you know, obviously, you know, that's about to be that time of year in the MLS where it's time to do their transfer window. And I just want to give you guys a quick rundown of the report. Report says here that it has not been a boring, it has not been boring in Atlanta. Just weeks into the season, many Atlanta United fans went new head coach Frank DeBoer head on a planter, but slowly the Dutchman got things turned around, and suddenly in 2018, the 2018 champions just, are just two points out of the top spot in the Eastern Conference. DeBoer has already said that the team will achieve during the transfer window, or will be active, not achieve, I'm sorry, will be active in the transfer window, adding fullbacks and depth would help make the stronger second half push. Which is true. Okay, that's one thing I wanted to talk about was the coaching change here real fast on Atlanta United. And, you know, it was crazy to me. You know, they just won the – I'm a big Atlanta United fan. You know, I live I live near Georgia and stuff like that. I love soccer. I grew up loving soccer and stuff like that. You know, when we got the new coaching change, I was like, oh, boy, you know, we finally reached a championship, you know, that <laughs> you know inside jug for all those people down here in that. You know, for all the people down in Atlanta, it's called the Atlanta Curse. You know, none of our sports team can win a major championship. Well, now, you know, we all, there's a joke going around that's finally broken with Atlanta United. But anyways, you know, when this new coaching came in, I was like, oh, great. Because, you know, it usually happens. You know, you bring in a new head coach, and it, the team's going to obviously do bad and stuff like that. But, you know, you know that happened for Atlanta United right off the season. And I'm like, oh, great. Here we go. Here we go. Our rebuilding period. It's going to at least be probably two two more, two seasons by the time we're back on top. But no, you know, I was like the article said, they're getting close to being back up top. And once you know, Atlanta United, they got some pretty, pretty talented guys on their roster. And, you know, I'm not worried. Hopefully they'll finish strong, make another playoff appearance, go strong in that, go back to the MLS championship, win another one. But, you know, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Hashtag praying for Atlanta. Okay, moving on. We're gonna. I'm actually gonna stay on the transfer window here for a second, checking out what's going on with all the ball clubs here. So, first thing we're talking about Chicago Fire. Chicago Fire are you know they're doing pretty straightforward. They're looking great as they're in a two and zero, two and zero victory over the Minnesota United, and they'll they'll drop a they'll keep going. They're obviously going strong. The transfer window they're doing good, but however, Cincinnati's uh, ball club, you know. Their new ball club, they have, it's like they have actually not been going easy. In the article, it says that formal coach Alan, I'm, I'm going to butcher this name, Magic Knock, who was fired in mid-May, never really had much of a chance after the club failure to hire a true general manager. Club president Jeff Burning filled that role until recently, resulting in a stockpile of defensive midfields and hardly any attacking talent. And gratefully, a new GM that is now in place in the in the grail. This is, I'm going to slander this. Nick Camp as the interim coach. And this another, um, I'm going to slander this name again. Join Demplin, but the UFC Cincinnati would recently help itself out by adding a good score this summer. Yeah, rough time for FC Cincinnati. They're going to obviously go and having a rough time. Um, so when you fire someone from higher up, you basically, like I mentioned before, you got to rebuild and stuff like that. But hey, still young in the season. They can. Hopefully finish out strong, you know, rebuilding, stuff like that. But, however, the next team, the Colorado, the Colorado Rapids, 
they're not doing good as they're actually doing pretty worse right now as bad as it can get in the MLS they have no wins eight losses and two miserly draws was all the Raptors could point out after 10 games Anthony Hudson was given the have no hand in have no have ho and come and for Connor Casey, who has made Colorado a young, younger, more dramatic side with a direct brand of soccer that is getting results. Colorado could still use help in all areas, especially defense, but things are looking up for the first time in a while in the Rocky Mountains. So, yeah, you know, Colorado, you know, obviously they're having a rough start. Obviously, no wins and two draws. And that's one thing when you bring in a lot of young guys I, I've seen personally. You bring in a young team, and they're going to have to rebuild over time. So, oh, no, good luck to them. They're just going through their hard patch right now. And then, you know, and then Columbus undertakes tolls in every team, but Columbus has been stung particularly hard in 2009. And, you know, this year they have a lot of injuries. First was his flying fullback, Malt- Milton, oh, I'm going to butcher this name, Milton Verlazzi is going down with a se- season-ending knee injury in preseason. And now table, and now table s- seller Fernando, Fernando Higgini, is out for a second half of the season. Now Colum- the Columbia's attacker isn't one to make opposing defense nervous. So if the crew wants to be in the midfield mix there, be wise to find a playmaker fill-in for the Argentina. And then D.C. United is joined a strong start to the season but has tailed off in recent weeks and faces some serious questions to start the, interna- the international breaks for all the talk of the... Let's go... I'm sorry, I'm going to butcher this. Let's go... Asco and Rocky partnership. DC sure could use a true number nine to complete in the complete rowdy and also add some depth. If things continue to trend downward, the and Coach Ben Olsen can't sort things out straight formulation, it could get ugly in the national in the national capital. Which is another thing which I find interesting about the MLS. You know, obviously it's not all just Americans in the league. It's all these you know international players that are good enough for international duty. Once they leave, it's when it thing really gets when things get really interesting because you know. If you're going to play for a national team, you're obviously a starter for a club team. And once those guys, you know, leave for international duty, it's like, all right, it's time to for all the second strings to get off the bench and go play, you know, one or two games, which to me I always found interesting. And more, I found it more interesting because, you know, you're getting guys that usually, they're usually bench most of the time. They get their, fit, you know, obviously like 15 minutes of fame and stuff like that. Keeps the game interesting. But anyway, continuing on before this, anyway, FC Dallas had made it very clear that it was going all in with its youngsters and it has resulted in top five ha- top five for the first half of the season. Once everyone is back and in tow from international duties, Dallas' abilities to tap into its fertilizer use system will provide enough in-depth to keep the Texans competitive, assuming the likes of Paxson Pomek or Edwin Carrell are not sold. Nevertheless, Dallas could still use some more help up top. And that's another thing. It's like this international duty is going to affect all these club teams too. But you know, everybody will be doing good. Everything, everybody seems to be doing strong in this. Better than others, but hey, like this, like I said, it's the first half of the season's over. Now it's time to move on to the second string, not the second string, second half of the season, and let's see who can make a playoff pitch. Okay, moving away from the transfer window because if I'm gonna. If I talk about that any longer, going through the rest of the teams, we're going to be here all day, but <laughs> I don't want to bore you guys at ears off. So I'm going to move on to WNBA real fast, talking about this quick article, talking about Jamie Thompson is 
is the glue that holds, you know, the Connecticut suns together, which I found interesting. In the article, James Thompson consent, consented slightly, the slight shift between her, you know, her son team being significant, fired up, and then tearing towards the edge of an emotional cliff. The Suns player with the most experienced Thomas is in the, her fifth season with the Suns and ninth overall in the WNBA. She knows exactly what coach Kurt Miller needs from her. In the article, she quotes, You can feel when your team is getting out of character. When I stay steady, it helps. I can notice I stay calm, Thompson. You know what she said. And then she added with laughter. And you know, Kurt can be kind of, I think the word she's using, festy. He can get a little riled up, so I try to be that mentor or monitor, my bad. The Suns are so far, you know, they're off to a 6-1 and one start this weekend. They'll face the past two WNBA champions at Minnesota on Friday and at home versus Seattle on Sunday, at, which you can find you can watch on ABC at 3.30. While they're not getting ahead of themselves, the Suns have quite confidence as a team, much like Thompson has individually. In post players, you have, they have, you know, Jaquan Jones, has some people with all-around superstar ability. She currently averages, you know, she has her average is 18 points a game, her rebounds 12.1, and a 3.0 block shot in her fourth WNBA season. In the article quote, she has been, she has, she has that playing experience overseas that helps her adjust to the speed and physicality of the game. Thompson says of the six six six. Yes, six foot six Jones, but it's also being an assistant designed for each player to play her game. We know she's she's very quick and able to show all these things here, pushing the ball, translation, breaking someone down one on one, hitting the three, but also using her side on the inside. Another another player, Courtney Williams, her her point average is fourteen point seven, one of the best mid range shooters guards in the league. And it seems that as someone who gets hot and can't be stopped, and it's Thompson who Right now is averaging 10.3 game, 10.3 points per game, 9.1 rebounds per game, and then her other teammates, Shamir Sigler, who's got 8.9 points per game, are veteran stars who know their roles and will exceed them. The Suns also have been, also have benched that it's going to get a tons of minutes or produce huge numbers, but it fits what the Suns are trying to do. Well, I will say this: I don't watch the NBA that much, but when I do pretty good to watch I recommend checking them out but we'll see what they do it's interesting that she says she sees herself as a leader it's good that she says as a leader and I, I say good luck to the Suns hope they can keep it together also I want to give a quick shout out to the to the Blues for winning their first Stanley Cup in franchise history I forgot to mention that earlier in the program I mean crazy times to be alive I was watching the NHA I wasn't watching the NHA NHL, sorry for the slander, the NHL uh, playoffs closely, but I was watching, you know, briefly, and I was just watching them, you know, do their thing. It was crazy that they won it. So, congrats to them and their first cup, you know, their first cup in franchise history. Hopefully, they can come back next year and defend it. Okay, so this next thing I want to talk about, I want to talk about the free agency thing going on in the NFL. You know, it's a off season for the NFL and it's now time for a big time, you know, to focus on the draft and the free agents and stuff like that. So let's check out what's going on here. So obviously one thing happened on you know, on the twenty third, the Seattle the Seattle Seahawks send defensive end Frank Carroll Frank Clark, the eighty fourth overall pick, 
And, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs in the 29th and 92 pick, at least for 20, 22nd round pick for them. Now, was this a good trade? Apparently, to the article for the Chiefs, it was not a good idea for for the Chiefs, it was a D plus, but for the Seahawks, it was a B plus. And of course, the article says, "Wow, makes no sense." The Chiefs are giving up an emotional haul in this deal. Let's say they end up making it to the AFC Championship game, and they send the 60th pick in the 2020 draft to the Seahawks to finish up this trade. If they finish with a higher draft pick than the 49ers, who they whose picks they own as part of the trade forward trade, they will send the Niners pick instead when they calculate the value of each pick using the chase i'm sorry but i'm going to slander this name the chase start and draft value chart this trade values clark at 21.1 points of draft ca- capital which is somewhat between the 7 8 overall selection the typical draft most organizations would build some level discount between because the 2020 second round pick is delayed comparison but you get the idea stuff like that and you know continuing on on Saturday April 6 the Cowboys trade Demarcus Lawrence oh wait Demarcus Lawrence you know defensive signs for the signs with the Cowboys he got a five-year contract worth 105 million dollars there are quotes as a c-plus grade says Given that Lawrence has held most of the leverage in negotiation, it's not a surprise that the Boise State product was able to get a better deal than the than the likes of Troy Flower and D Ford. Lawrence is one of the only three top three to the top a eighteen million average annual salary, and he gets all the way to the twenty one million. Flower and Ford weren't on their second franchise tag, which means that Lawrence was guaranteeing twenty million on a one year deal if he chose to sign the offer. Doing so would have left the Cowboys with the option of moving on from Lawrence in 2020 or signing him to a third franchise tag for $29.5 million. Instead, the Cowboys will look up Lawrence, will lock up Lawrence on a five-year pack. The deal reportedly has $65 million guarantee, but I, but I double these are full guarantees at signing. Dallas typically guarantees a large signing bonus in two years of base salary to its star players and its extension. We know Lawrence will take home a $25 million signing bonus and a $65 million salary in one year, which means a lot, which means a total of at least $31.5 million in full guarantees of signing, which is crazy. All that money, man, I wish I was playing for the Cowboys. And then on Monday on April 1st, we had the chance the Cleveland Browns get Safety, Eric Murray, Kansas Chief get DN, defensive end, Emil, I'm going to butcher this name, Emil Bagman for this grade. The article quotes, this being a B- minus for the Chiefs, for the Browns it being a C. One of the lessons we've learned over the past years is the Browns general manager, John Dursley, doesn't like Sushi Browns draft picks after trading, after trading, after cha- trading Oba and cutting Rico, Ricardo Lewis and Derek Kinder over the weekend. The Browns are just left with three members of the deposed general manager's 14 players class from the 2016 draft, which include middle linebacker Joe, Joe uh, Schultberg, backup wideout Richard Richard Higgins, and tight end Seth DeValue. It's no surprise that Cleveland wants to upgrade a defensive end from from Oakland and who wasn't who wasn't healthy or 
particularly productive as a starter over the past two seasons. After racking up 5.5 sacks and 16 knockdowns as a rookie, the Oklahoma State product guaranteed just over 7 sacks and 13 knockdowns over 24 starts in the 2017-18 after the Browns traded. Oliver Vermon, the writer on the wall for Ovdek, was a deal. So, yeah, the Browns are actually doing pretty good, you know, in their thing. They just, I remember recently they just signed Odell Beckham, which I thought was crazy. I thought I'd never see Odell Beckham in a Browns uniform, but hey, crazy things happen in the NFL all the time and stuff like that. Okay, on March 29th, uh, Cincinnati, no, Chicago traded running back Howard Howard to the Philadelphia. Philadelphia Eagles get running back Jordan Howard. The Chicago Bears get 20, 20, the 2026 round pick. Now, the article quotes, this has been a C-plus for the Bears and for the Eagles a B-plus. And the article quotes, we know the Eagles don't like committing serious assets to our running backs, even if it means routing players in and out of roles. You could argue that it's there's a point reaction to the year in which Chip Kelly was general manager and signed Demarcus Murray and Ryan Matthews, but the Philly hasn't cycled through guys such as Laura Garrett, Bout, and Jay Ivory, and has been fun, just fine. Coach Doug personally basically played in the high end after a job went down last season, but that was great generally interception of temptation in 2018. Philly does don't have a single back top eighty five yards or post a game with more than nine successful rushes by the exact point, adding the Eagles could have ran their things back in two thousand nineteen with the likes of Josh Adams and Wheeler Smallwood as their primary ball carriers. But it seems like they'll get they would target a low cost veteran to be in the mix. So yeah, guys, that's gonna do for the free agency drive. I'm gonna keep up with this as more episodes go on. Obviously, you know, more still in that hype and stuff like so. I'm gonna transition to another topic. All right, guys, I know I said I was gonna transition to another topic, but I think that'll do it for today's episode of More Sports. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and I hope you guys will tune in for episode three in the future. Remember, you can listen to this on Spotify and many other platforms. Thank you, and have a wonderful day.